Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. And I didn't feel that I should wear a T-shirt at my age going to the doctor that I wear all the time. That's a house shirt. So I went into the closet and found something that hadn't been worn in 40 years. There you go. Yeah, and I'm wearing it. Got good value out of that shirt. $25? That's great. I think. But $25 yeah, then but, was a lot of 30 money. 30 years ago. Come on. But, that was, but you don't like this shirt? I, I love that you're wearing it. No, but that's, Big August that's vibes. Not, that's not answering the question. You don't <laughs> like this shirt. officially here when that shirt comes out. Oh, yeah, there we go. That um, is a third string shirt. All right. Thank you. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So as a weekend with power, I was able to watch television all weekend. I was able to watch the Nats. I think they had a 4 o'clock game on Saturday and a 1.30 game on Sunday. They swept the series from Cincinnati. Yeah. They played great in Cincinnati. Got this early was on starts. the road. Lovely. Lane Thomas had like offense. 20 hits. C.J. Abrams had like 20 hits. Yes. Once, once they went to C.J. Abrams batting one and Lane Thomas batting two, Lane Thomas had a difficult time for about a week and a half. But now it works great. They, 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 don't, they hit. Those two hit. It's frustrating because I was hoping the Reds could keep pace in the wild card. And they were not. They're just falling a little bit. You know, um, the most interesting thing about the Nats is not the fact that Dominic Smith did nothing in the series whatsoever. The most interesting fact is that in their bullpen, and Kyle Finnegan, I think, had two saves. I think he saved the game Saturday and Sunday. Kyle Finnegan is the only reliever out of eight or nine relievers who started the season with the team. He's the only one left. Wow. Everybody else is either traded or cut or injured. You know, like Hunter Harvey is injured at the moment. He's the only reliever that started the season with the Nats. And Nats aren't any good. They're not as bad as I thought they would be. They aren't any good. But that is that not surprising? Yes, to you? it's interesting to see how that plays out over the next two to three seasons to see where they are with their rebuild. If that becomes a pretty strong core or just some more trade pieces as you slowly get better and better and better. I then switched over to the golf, but the golf had over a two-hour rain delay. They said it was going to be a half hour or something like that. This is in Sedgefield. That's in Greensboro. We've been invited to play. We have been invited to play there. And Uh, that's a tour course. Tour players were absolutely crushing the setup of this course. The the fact that they were trying to play. And you had a winner who crushed the the actual uh, season-ending way you get into the playoffs. 20 under Lucas Glover. Lucas Glover has one... He won the U.S. Open. Open. He won the old. Oh, it was not the British Open. No, he won uh, Lucas Clover the 09 at Beth Page, I think. Okay, so he he's you know he's legit. He's got major. Very Open. thoughtful guy. He, he was reading like seven books that week at uh, up in New York. So here's what happened. Going into the day, he and Russell Henley are basically tied, I think. And when they're when they go to the break, and they have a long break, and Amanda Balionis interviews everybody. It's fine television, except it's not golf, you know. Russell Henley comes out of the break and birdies the first hole, a par five, and goes to 21 under. And you think, okay, he's going to win this. He then has the worst luck I have ever seen. One ball rolls into a terrible hole and he can't really get it out and there's no relief. He hit a bad drive on another hole. He went, he finished bogey, bogey, bogey. And this allowed Lucas Glover to just lay up on 18 to 100 yards where he could then hit a wedge within 10 feet and he made, feet, the made the putt. And he made the putt. He had three three strokes to play with. Yeah, it's very interesting. He was statistically one of the worst putters on tour, changed putters, which had to change his technique. And he has one of those success stories where he's been out there forever. You know the he's name. He's got the long putter now. Went to the long putter. But this is one reason why he's been so protective of those players trying to get into the last you know 40 spots uh, for the the extended playoffs, because those are the players that make up week in week out the the meat of the schedule and the meat of the, the competition of that the makes the, that makes the golf so compelling. Yeah, so it was a two hour forty minute rain delay, and by the time it restarted, it was really getting dark here. They had four holes to play, which is going to take an hour. It was really getting dark here, and that's west of us. Greensboro is significantly west of Washington, D.C., and I guess it was light unless they, use those, unless they use those cameras, oh, you like know, opening with the up the aperture. filtrations oh, right. and, and all of that. I, I had no sense of that. But when Glover won, his, his kids came over, his parents were there. I don't think his wife was there, but his parents were there. It was, it was quite a lovely moment. And the most exciting thing 
in the tournament, actually, was Justin Thomas needed to chip in on 18 in order to be in the top 70. Because from now on, now they're going into the FedEx Cup playoffs. And if you're number 70, you pretty much have to finish top 10 to go the next week anyway. But Justin Thomas has two majors. He chipped up. It hit the stick and rolled out by a Ooh. foot. And he lay on the ground you because know, he missed. He finished 71. Yeah, I, mean, I, I sort of think that sums up the problem of professional golf right now, which is we're trying to see if somebody like that, because he's a name we recognize, because right. he has a pass that we recognize and want to promote on TV with sponsors and all that. Uh, but we missed the best thing, which is Steve Sands telling us who's in and who's out. Oh, yeah, we missed that. Yeah. That's well, it too, used to be the live updates. That's too bad. <laughs> but that, didn't this happen to Ricky Fowler last year? Didn't he miss last year? Yeah. I mean, it happens. I mean, he's, he's, missed, he's, he's missed a lot recently. He's top 10 this year. Yeah. So he's won a tournament. All right, so you're probably wondering. Well, do you know the best golf news? Do you know what starts today? U.S. Mm-hmm. Women's Amateur. Do you know where they're playing? No. Bel Air. Is that right? Do you think uh, we'll, Uncle we'll Big get a, Al? Oh, do you think wow. we'll get a sighting of Val having uh, breakfast at the grill? Fu- let's find out if Uncle Big Al <laughs> is there. Maybe we'll see Nigel playing cards. Yeah. <laughs> right there in the a new guy. Yes, yeah, yeah new let's guy. Let's see if Uncle Bob, I'll call him tonight and find out if he's going. Um, so you're probably wondering, are, are you not going to talk about the Women's World Cup? You're not going to do this at all? We are going to do this. Hopefully, we're going to do this in great depth later in the week. Hopefully. Hopefully, there's a couple of people we can get on and we can talk about this. But I will surprise you by saying, I, I, I walked the dog yesterday morning and got home around 7 o'clock in the morning from walking the dog. And I remembered that this thing started at 5 in the morning. So I tuned in. It's on Fox. I tuned into Fox just looking for a score. And so I, I figure it's over. It's not going to take more than two hours. It's a 90-minute game, so it's going to be over. Well, much to my delight, it wasn't over. It was in the overtime. Oh, sure. The first overtime. And then they went to the second overtime. I don't think either team had a shot in the overtime. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I didn't pay that much attention to it. I just now wanted it to be over. Right. I had now invested a lot of my time in it, and I wanted to see who would win. Even without the goals, there are lots of great novellas, right? Every trip up and down the pitch <laughs> is a novella. So then they go to penalty kicks. Now, I'm not a penalty kick guy. I'm not a shootout guy in hockey. I believe you play till the last dog dies. You go out there and but you wait for a Time and place. There's something different in a you know, global competition versus a regular season event. Right. So, they go to penalty kicks, and I, you know, I guess, I guess you go to penalty kicks because if you're out there another two hours, you can't play the next game. You're exhausted. They go to penalty kicks, and I think the United States starts first. I think so. And, and we hit three in a row, and then Sweden hits three in a row. Neither goalie comes close. They don't come close to they dive the wrong way right, or whatever it's the happens. wrong guess. Then our goalie stops them. Or maybe that was their third one, not their fourth one. I don't know. Our goalie stops them. So the United States is up by one at this point. And then I think Megan Rapino kicks. If she makes this kick, I understand she's 38 years old, but she's a great soccer player over a long period of time. And she makes these kicks all the time. If she makes this kick, we take a commandingly, we're going to win. She boots it over the goal. Yeah. And then the next woman on our team boots it to the right of the goal. We did something that was so cool. We had our goalie do a penalty kick. And she got it. She's she the only one in. who looked like she wanted to take the kick. <laughs> yeah, everybody else seems so scared. She got scared. the ball immediately. Whack. You know, yeah. And she got it in. So we get to the point where Sweden has a chance to win. Now, our goalie also makes a save. She makes a legitimate save, and the Swedish goalie does not. But our goalie makes a legitimate save. Sweden has this next kick. Now we're in sudden death, I think, at that point. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm babbling here, but I think we're in sudden death. And the Swedish player kicks it. As you're looking at the net from behind the Swedish player, she kicks it left. Okay, she kicks it left. Our goalie, don't know her name, dressed up all in green, 
gets her hands on it. Alyssa Nahor. Knocks it up in the air. And then as it comes down, turns around to get it out of the goal mouth area. But the Swedish player just got her hands out. Like, what's the deal here? Break the plane. Break the plane. And then within two minutes, a minute? Probably a minute. Within a minute, the referee makes a hand signal that says the game is over, which means that's a good goal. And then they show the replay of the goal. And this technology is sort of like the tennis technology on the lines if the ball is in or out. And this shows you that it passes the goal line by the width of a pencil. I mean, honestly, not more than that. By the width of a pencil. You can just see a little bit of light between the goal line and the ball. And Sweden wins. This is impossible 20 years ago. Sweden doesn't win 20 years ago. Might not win 10 years ago. I don't know when this technology came in. But without it, you know, you, you're going to say, oh, well, I don't think it crossed the plane. And she got it out and she's made the save and we're going on. I think that's what would have happened. And as it is, we lose and we lose. I, we don't lose tragically. We lost to the number three ranked team in the world. It's not a tragedy. It's terrible the way it happened, but let's look at our team for a second. I don't want to go nuts here. Three games in a row, we scored a total of one goal. We had no goals against Portugal. We had no goals against Sweden. We had one goal against the Netherlands. So we didn't give up anything either, but it's not like we were dominating. We were never dominating. So is it catastrophic they lost? No. Is it unexpected they lost? No, it's disheartening. It's too bad. It's too bad because nobody wants to go out that way, you know. But we had won a bunch of times. We were going for a three-peat that I'm not sure has ever happened. Right, and it's more disheartening and disappointing as you look at this team over 20 years and sort of what it has meant. Yeah, I mean, going all the way back to the Mia Hamm days, right? Right. I mean, haven't we won about five of these things? Yeah, you you, you all have dominated, And we never go out this early. This This, is the first time this early. Never the earliest exit. Yeah. So Michael Wilbon will be up next, and maybe he watched it too. Maybe. Wilbon, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Joey Alba. And it's about, it's a submission on behalf of his friend Cal Austin, who currently resides just outside of Austin, um, Texas, by way of Stockton, California. has a new single, which premiered last Friday, called With My Friends. This is not that song. This is a song called More Than a Memory. And Joey writes, thanks for reading, hopefully playing a friend's latest. Once my wife and I have something ready, I'll be able to share my long love of all things TK as well as something from our duo, Timeless. So he's a singer too, apparently, Joey Alba. So that's very, very nice. Again, this is called More Than a Memory, and it's by Cal Austin, who plays in Michael Wilbon. All right, you had a week's vacation in Martha's Vineyard. We're off for a while, so your vacation continues. Do you have any particular plans for vacation? Yeah, to do as much of nothing as I can do. Right. Um, which I'm going to do, do here for a week and then D.C., um, but that's in Maryland. And then I'm going to do in Chicago for at least a week right. next week. Okay. So that's as far as I've uh, thought about. And after that, we do go back to work. I do on maybe like the 26th Thursday. Thursday. or something like that. Yeah. 24th. Uh, and then I go to San Francisco for a few days. Okay. So uh, I'll go west. I'll still sneak some west in there. That's that's where I like to be now. That's my that that's my you know safe my happy spot. Did you did you adore and love Martha's Vineyard to the degree that you are actually thinking, hmm, I would do this again, maybe buy a house? No. Okay. Um, did no more houses. Um, two was enough. Um, and I will. We will go back, 
most likely, most likely, we're going to commit to multiple summers. Um, you know, that may carry me to, you know, retirement or something. But, no, it's great. It was great. I'm happy to go. It right. is, is largely, you know, Matthew-driven. Uh, like I said, there were 16 kids in our, uh, in our you know, vineyard family group. And uh, he's the youngest one. But there's one of the kid who uh, is a year older, and they are very tight. He also plays uh, basketball. Vince Williams' son uh, plays basketball. Chase, so he and Matthew are tight. So it's, it's going to be driven by them, by okay. the kids, and we just sort of go along. But uh, so I'm, I'm 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 happy to go back. I think you know, Tony. Uh, I don't know that I like doing anything every year, but it was different. It was different, and I, it, there, there's stuff for me to, to, adult stuff for me to do. So um, I, I can't just stay home. Uh, I'm not wired that way. i got to be going somewhere every few days anyway, so why not the Martha's Vineyard? Uh, is golf on the agenda for you? Are you uh, good enough I'm, to play? You're going to see me at the range a lot. No, I'm not good enough to play. Okay. I'm um, not. Uh, I'm still worried about. Uh, is that me? Yeah, it is worried. There's no pain. The pain's in my head. Right. Uh, but I'll be. I gotta have like a boot camp. I, I and that's what I'm gonna do this week. Here next week in Chicago, I'll just move it to Olympia Fields. Although I don't know, I probably can't practice at my own place because we got the BMW at Olympia Fields. Oh no, they're not gonna week. let you on the range there. No, no, I won't be on the range. So, so I don't know what's gonna happen that week, but. Uh, in terms of golf, but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm in a mode where I've got to get myself back. Tony, I, I couldn't do anything because of the foot surgeries. Right. I didn't do anything for five months. Right. So I'm talking about working out, physical therapy, stretching, all the stuff that you need to do a whole lot of when you're an old man. Um, that started kind of last week, but it really starts today. Okay. Uh, where it's going to be every day. It's going to be golf and fitness. That's fine. Every day. And it's going to be a lot of that uh, until I feel like I can go out there and not embarrass myself. So, but, you, but you won't see me on the tee box anytime. So. so I've got to tell you about the range at Columbia because last Saturday's storm tore holes in the net. Uh, oh, yeah. So as a result, you can only use irons. You're not allowed to use even okay, rescue not, I can't hit that. So wait, so they, they say because you're not allowed to hit it more than 170 yards. And I said to the pro, it takes me three shots to hit it 170. What is your problem? I can't, I can't hit it 170. Oh, my goodness. Um, but it's good. It's good. To, it, it, that's an easier swing. That's less stress. Yeah, yeah. It, Chipping. Yeah, but yes. How long do we think that's going to be in effect? Don't know. I don't know. I think it'll be done this week. I think that... That they know Michael is shaking his head. Maybe it'll take weeks. I don't know. It's a big net. You know, that's, I don't know. That's, that's insane. All right. Did you, by any chance, did you watch the golf yesterday by any chance? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I went to the tennis. Oh, you did go? Washington. I watched Coco Golf. I went and sat with new Washington football owner at, at his invitation, Mark Ein, who's, as you know, we've been friends for a long time. It's not like I'm just sort of brown nosing to get in with the commanders. Um, but we there's times we had been before with Mark. Um, he and Sally had invited us, and so we did. Cheryl and I went to, to tennis yesterday. It was just, I think about what that was 40 years ago and what it is now. It's amazing. It's amazing what they put on. The, 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 the event they put on. They put on men and women, which is yeah, very, very abnormal. You, know, you don't have that many of those don't in have a year. That's right. It's That's really right. cool. It was really cool yesterday to, to, to go and, you know, Coco Golf, that was her first win in the United States. I don't know where her other win was, but that was her first one. Yeah, she changed coaches. She changed she everything. Brad yeah. So we get there, and, you know, my wife is sort of a tennis wonk. I mean, okay. she, you know, she played on those courts growing up. She and her brother, her brother's really a good player still. And we go, and I said, you know what, we're here early. I want to go see Coco Golf practice. And we did. We, we went to the practice court and watched her warm up for 30 minutes before she came over. And um, I, that, was, that was, you know, cool for me. So, but, but I didn't realize that she's still only 19. She's a kid. 
she's only 19. She hadn't turned turn 20 until March. And it was just cool, the response. And it was cool. She and the opponent, this young woman who's Greek, and they are apparently pretty friendly. And they talked um, at, at quite a bit, very chatty at the end of their match about you know, their friendship with each other and, and playing and playing in the, and winning in the U.S. for Coco Golf. Yeah, just really a great afternoon. So, no, there was no golf. I didn't know what golf was on. I okay. wasn't, I didn't, I, I, you know. Well, I there was, after the Coco back. Golf match, there was the men's match, but it was rain delayed. Yes. And when they finally put it on, because I watched it, I, I watched some of it, there was like 100 people there. Yeah. I mean, people said, we're done. I We're feel done bad now. because I, I said to people, you know, it's going to open up here <laughs> and we're not going to stay, you know, deep into the night, like, you know, some, you know, to see somebody swallowed by a tarp. We're not doing that. Right. Uh, but it was fun to go. You, 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 I mean, Michael I, I mean, went. I went to that Michael and Liz and the boys went the, the day before and it was hot. Good. You know who I sat with to watch? Who? I sat with uh, Tiafo's dad. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. How cool was that? Yeah. Really nice man. Um, we just sat and watched and talked about stuff, and he's like, you know, can't help himself but do a little scouting, which of course is natural. We, you and I know about that every time we go to a sporting. Drives event. me crazy that Tiafo and Pagula never actually win. Well, but you know, Tiafo is now ranked tenth. Yeah, something. But you got to win. I, well, he's he's won. I mean, it doesn't. You know it, what I he mean. He hasn't won. Be at nice the if level he won this. We, we're hoping for. Be nice if he won this. Thing. And uh, Pagula actually won this tournament. She won in Washington. Yeah, but she didn't this year when she hey, was but, higher ranked. You know, no. so so it was it was a a good. Um, I, I never do anything here anymore. I know. I was just thinking. I haven't been to a local sporting event. I, I haven't been to a Wizards game since John Wall jumped on the table. Yeah, the King of Game Six. <laughs> yeah, and um, I haven't done that since. I haven't been to one of those. I haven't been to a Caps game since maybe 18 or 17. Mm. I haven't been to a Commanders game since 10, maybe yeah. 8. I got to go back. I don't even know I can find. Maybe I got. You I should go to the baseball games. games are fun. The baseball I've games been are fun. The Nats. That's yeah. the last thing yeah. I went to. I went to the Nats. In, did they win in 19? Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Nats. The year they won. Nats are good now. I mean, they're not a good team, but baseball is still baseball. I mean, did you watch the World Cup? No, because Ugh. it was on at 5 in the morning. That's well, the time. Okay. I was good at Tony. I did. I looked at the clock after I got in from, from the vineyard, going to bed, and it's like 12.35, which, you know, for me is an early bedtime. But we'd gotten up to travel and all that. And I'm thinking, should I set a clock? You know, wake up at five and watch the women because I had watched the other games, and I just sort of didn't do it. That's it's perfectly okay. And... I got back with the dog. I told the story earlier. Jeez. I got back with the dog at seven, and I remembered it was on. So I turned to Fox just to get a score because it's two hours later, so the game's over. Yeah. It's over, and I get there and it's in overtime, Ooh, and I watched all of it, and I watched the penalty kicks, and honestly, Mike, it was thrilling. It was we, thrilling. Why are you surprised? I, I woke know. up. I don't know. It was totally thrilling. Totally thrilling. You got to do something other than just watch golf. Yeah, I do. Okay? Well, I, I mean, watch. I, I watch a lot of golf. A lot. That ain't going to be my, the only thing on my menu is going to be golf. I mean, I watched, like I said, the other games uh, in this tournament. I don't know that I'm going to watch a bunch of it left without the United I'm States not. in it. I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not. I know I'm I not. I know you're not. I know you're not I'm going not. To watch golf. I know I'm the not. NFL. But I know. two things. You're such an old white man now. I am. This is what you are. I've tried to be. When I was younger, when I was a young black <laughs> yeah. man, it didn't when work out hip. as well as being an old white <laughs> when man. When you were hip and you actually did other stuff. <laughs> and now you're going to watch golf until the NFL comes on. So yeah. Oh, you know, it's, speaking it's, it's of the NFL, really, that gets us into football. It's going scare people of your ilk when, yeah. uh, there, when there's no more white quarterbacks and coaches left. I wonder what you guys are going to do then. <sighs> I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to spend yeah, well, the rest you, of the day thinking about that. It seems to be coming. I'm thinking about that. I, but that, it's hard because 
at, at the moment, as you well know, for the last four years, I've told you that I would I would bet on Patrick Mahomes on any single game <laughs> he ever played. So I know that sort of breaks your theory I, you know, a little I, bit. You know, two two things that I'm going into the fall with, and um, I, I look, I, you know, I'm messing with you. I, I'm, I'm going to watch. Of course, I've already got YouTube TV queued up. I got to you know get ready to to watch all this stuff. There's only and I, you know. I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to watch college football. I'm so just dismayed by all this. I want to ask you about this. Like, and yeah. I, I'm, Let me leave Northwestern yeah. out. Let's, yeah. let's just pretend the Northwestern. That's a, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Well, the Pac-12 is gone. It's gone. What happened? It's gone. I've lost track of the big team. Do we have 18 teams or Yes, 20? 18. 18. Well, guess but what? you're going to get Stanford and guess Cal. Guess 19 and 20 you're going to be. Stanford and Cal. Bingo, baby. Right, you can go back on the tapes of this here quality program and hear me say to you, Tony, we're going to get Stanford and Cal. Because no. what else? I guess they could go to the ACC. Why? I guess they could. Why? Why? You know, the Big Ten actually has good academic schools. Yeah. Why would they go to the, well, the ACC does too. Go to the ACC. Yes, they do. Yeah, Big Twelve, not Duke so and much. Virginia and Georgia Tech and, and Carolina, got yeah, good schools. that's right. And Maryland is one of the most improved schools yeah. in the in the country. But you've got Michigan and Wisconsin and Northwestern yeah. and Iowa, Indiana. You know, yeah, these Indiana's are the terrific school. And now we got we got UCLA. Yeah, so. yeah we got. Well, look, I, I just I don't know what to I don't know what to make of it. I Neither don't. do I. Um, it's 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 a, a it's whole new world. I don't get it. We knew them are over. It's over. It's over. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's over. It's over. And, and but let me tell you the, the one the one thought I, I go into the fall with so now my son is old enough to talk trash to me and we we have bets. We have we have bets on the season. And seasons. And the two things I'm gonna start the seasons with, you you're gonna object to both of them. I have Kansas City finishing like you know, not even making the conference championship. Ooh, okay, and I ha- and I'm less certain. I'm less strident about that one. And I have Denver like fourth in the in the in the West. Those are the two things um, that I start. And I have the Bears winning. Yeah, the you division. like the Bears to win the division. Yeah, you think Justin probably, Fields will be great this year? These are insane year. things. No, I have, no, it's I not have insane. Kyrie and Luca. I'm not. I'm going to have a bet with Matthew. I think I'm going to bet. I'm going to go with them. Those two, I mean, look, these two guys, those two guys, whatever you think of, they're going to the Hall of Fame. I have them not even making the playoffs. <laughs> well, they didn't make it this year, so yeah. why would they make well, it Well, but they year? have played 10 games together. So we get ready to start the fall. I'll, I'll be engaged again by Labor Day. Yeah. But I'm not watching anything. Uh, why would you watch? I'm not, I don't watch exhibition games. I'm not watching it. There's no, no point. All right, I'll talk to you down the road. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll take a break. Jay Billis will join us when we return. And Jay will be able, I hope, to explain what has happened in, in these conferences because it's, it's, it's volcanic. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Cal Austin. This is called Somewhere Else. And he writes, I'm actually sending two songs. The first one is called More Than a Memory. It's about losing my dad, but keeping his memory alive. And the second song is called Somewhere Else. And it's about when your mind and heart drifts away to places and experiences you'd rather be dealing with than what you're currently dealing with in life. But no matter what, all the pain was worth it for the love. Appreciate the opportunity to share my songs. Thank you. Michael, if people like Cal Austin want to share their original music with us, how they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And he plays in Jay Billis. And this is, you know, there's not 20 questions. There's really just one question, and it goes like this. You played in the ACC. You grew up on the Pac-12. You've done games in the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC. What in God's name? just happened to college 
nothing that hasn't been happening for the last 20, 30 years that, and th- this, Tony, is the thing that, that gets me shaking my head about this. I mean, I had numerous, as I'm sure you did, numerous text messages and phone calls from people in college sports acting like this was some sort of earthquake that had never happened before. And when you said I grew up on the Pac-12, I grew up on the Pac-8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sure. it became the Pac-10, and then it became the Pac-12. And I played in an ACC with eight teams. And then Florida State came in in the early 90s when I was an assistant coach there, just after I was assistant coach there. And then and then uh, the Big East broke up. The Big East expanded yes. because of football. Then it broke up, and everybody went to the ACC. Um, this has been going on for a long time. And, and, you know, most people that are following this closely knew that it wasn't over. And it's probably not over yet. But some of the complaining among administrators, like there were, uh, there was a couple of ACC, uh, uh, ADs that I had corresponded with the last few days were like, this is crazy. Well, it's only crazy when somebody else does it. It wasn't crazy when the ACC expanded. You know, then it was just business and the smart thing to do. And, uh, and then USC and UCLA went to the Big Ten. And, and they, it, well, what's, there are so many things that strike me as, as so like oddly funny about this. When the Pac-12 presidents that just split to go to either the Big Ten or, or the Big 12, they talked about, you know, they, they justified it by saying, well, they wanted to give their athletes the, the, a bigger stage and you're like shut up you you didn't do this for the athletes you did this for for the money, money. And sustainability and all and that's great there's nothing yeah. wrong with that but it also strikes me as you know people of our generation uh going into neighborhoods and saying oh look at this like remember when we had the mom and pop shops and all this and now now it's costco and chipotle and the lines are out the door to costco and chipotle yeah People, people like it. People like Costco. You know, they don't have to go to six different places now. And, and they like buying toilet paper in, in a roll of 40. Uh, and I don't know why, but they don't, they don't seem to be bothered by it. So this is, people aren't going to be bothered by this either. Yeah. They're still going to watch and, and everybody will adjust. It's not that big of a deal. This is exactly how I feel. I said a couple of times on PTI, I don't really understand the hand wringing here. It seems to me that this is progress of a sort, that it's been building to this for years and years and years. And you can go back to B.C., the first team, the first school that went out of its geographical area. And then everybody began to do it. And this is being done for television money. I have as a question, is it bad or good? I'm not sure that's a fair question. But it does what, what it struck me as with, with the Pac-12 is that they became blockbuster. You know, they were there with the good times. They had a product that everybody liked, and then they did not adapt to what is going on. Do you see it that way, too? Well, in, in instances, it, it can be like that. There are, there are individual uh, member schools that don't handle things the right way. You know, they don't invest properly, and they get left behind for a period of time, but then they, they try to figure it out, do a better job because they have to be competitive. I think the thing that people forget in this is that these schools are not together. They're individual market competitors against one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do it sometimes, via, well, largely via conferences. So the conferences compete against each other for media rights dollars and media rights deals. They compete against each other for talent, the acquisition of talent, whether it's uh, administrators, coaches, players. The disconnect we have is these member institutions act in concert for only one thing, and that is to limit the compensation that goes to players. That's the only time that they act together. And, and, you know, the the Supreme Court has called it colluding in violation of federal antitrust law. And so that's going to end soon. Uh, And then and then we'll have a we'll we'll really have a, a a. multi-billion dollar entertainment industry where everyone can benefit. Um, but this has been this way for a long time. And, but every time this, it's like when for, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan and, you know, I still struggle with the Houston Astros being in the American league, right? You know, but, but, but that's all it is. 
Uh, I'm not, I didn't stop watching baseball because I'm, I'm not. I'm not watching the Astros in the American League. There's no way the Milwaukee Brewers are National League team. This is ridiculous. You know, people say that, but then they still watch. It's not that big of a deal. I was, I'm going to assume that Florida State and Clemson could be lured away to the SEC. I'm going to assume that Stanford and Cal could be lured away to some place. The one concern I had, it's been, it's, it's been broached to me, and I think it does make sense, about it's the travel. Like, it's the leagues now, the geographic footprint of the leagues is so vast that your sort of average athlete, not your football player and money-making person, but your sort of average athlete, if you start out in a California school, are you going to play, you know, you're going to go all the way to Rutgers, you're going to go all the way to Maryland, you're going to go all the way to Minnesota. Do you have any concerns about that? Yeah, but but it's not my concern. You know, I, I, do I, am I concerned about it? Yeah, but that's the concern of each individual school and mm-hmm. how they want to sort of process all this and what they want to put their athletes through. I think the thing that sticks out to me about this is, look, I've been saying this a long time, that college sports, especially football and basketball, they have been the NFL and the NBA for a long time. Now it's undeniable. Yeah. You, know, you can't even with a straight face say it's not when you've got you know, UCLA flying to play Rutgers for a regular season. It's the NFL and the, the, the NBA. There, there's no, no question about it. It is in media rights deals and money, and it certainly is in travel and the way they, uh, they schedule and all that stuff. And yet you have these presidents and athletic directors who are still going to go in front of Congress and saying, we need your help to limit athletes because this is about education and you're going to go, how are you going to stay? I didn't think they could say it with a straight face before all this, but how do you say it now and, and have any reasonable person uh, say, really, you know, like, like, come on, man, you know, they, they have no credibility. And I have always Tony been uh, slow to use the word hypocrisy with regard to college sports. I, I I've always said there are a lot of contradictions. Um, it's hypocrisy now. Like, you cannot, with a straight face, say that athletes need to be limited because we may cancel sports, we may do this, it may be bad. No, no, not when you're doing this. Like, that, that's the, for me, on the hypocrisy term, that was sort of the last straw, that now I'm going to feel free to use that term without hurting anybody's feelings because it is straight-out hypocrisy for somebody to say that athletes don't deserve more than a scholarship now. It's, it's absurd. Are you surprised at all by how clearly football drives the bus? No, because that's been happening forever. Okay. Uh, that drove the Big East decision years ago when the Big East was largely a, uh, a basketball conference and had been started as such by Dave Gavitt. And then when Mike Trangese took over, they realized that, hey, you know, without football, we are going to be left behind. And, uh, and then, you know, Penn State goes to the Big Ten, all that stuff. They were an independent for a long time. But they took in Virginia Tech and uh, Louisville and uh, West Virginia and all that stuff. All those things in Miami, all that was done for football. And, and after a period of time, people realized, wait, wait a minute, you know, football's not going to work to the level we need it. And they were looking at other conferences that were making more money and we've got to get in there because they, they thought we can't survive without that money and uh, as a as a competitive entity and one of the things that always strikes me about the again the hypocrisy of college sports is nobody's forcing them they would always say about players nobody's forcing them to play if they don't want to take our crappy deal that that violates federal antitrust law they don't have to play which i thought was profoundly stupid but boy, nobody's nobody's forcing these schools to take this money. And I look at Augusta National Golf Club as as the the way this is done right. Like Augusta National could make so much more money off the Masters than they make. They, they could have signage and and more commercials. They could jack up their prices for that pimento cheese sandwich and a beer. Everything's reasonable when you go there. You're like shocked that they charge so little yeah. uh, in the merchandise yeah. tent, and then they have they have very few, if any, commercials during the the broadcast. And they go, "No, we're going to do this our way because we think this is the right thing to do, and we're willing to sacrifice making more money 
for the product. And college sports is not willing to do that. It is American capitalism at its at, at its purest form. But they pretend like they're not doing that. It's they remarkable. In my, it's remarkable. It is remarkable to hear the college presidents flat out say, um, you know, we're not making enough money. The Florida State guy, well, you know, you're going to have to give us more money. Uh, the Arizona guy, no, this is strictly about money. I guess... What happens to Notre Dame? Do they stay on the way they are? Or do you think Notre Dame folds in somewhere? I think Notre Dame is going to remain an independent uh, fiercely for as long as possible. And I don't see in the short run a scenario where they join a conference because right. now with the college football playoff going to 12, uh, the, the only issue for Notre Dame, in my view, is, is finding games. And because these conferences have gotten so big, you know, we're probably headed toward a scenario where the big conferences just play each other uh, because uh, that's what television wants. They want the bigger games. That's what the fan base wants because of season tickets. Uh, you know, for an example, Alabama every year plays like Charleston Southern in like the ninth week or something, the eighth week. Gives them a break. They can play their, their backups. Uh, and, uh, but it's not a game that the fan base wants. Uh, they don't. They don't want that in their season ticket package, and television doesn't really care about it anymore. Um, you know, when I was playing, the fans the fans came like crazy to see us play East Carolina, uh, or or you know some some. I don't mean to denigrate East Carolina, but schools that that aren't out there very much. You know, you played uh, these these you know crummy games uh, to stack up wins, and you were able to fill the house. That's not happening anymore. The fan base wants bigger games, and they're not leaving their house as often uh, unless it's a big deal. And uh, so you're going to see more big deal games, and that's going to squeeze the, the middle and the bottom a little bit for scheduling. So can can Notre Dame get enough high-quality yeah. games given the amount of inventory that these uh, these bigger conferences are going to have? I think they can do it because people want to play Notre Dame. and the, They're still going to play non-conference games. And Notre Dame's going to be at the top of the heap, just like Gonzaga is in, in basketball to play non-conference games. Thank you so much for being on and explaining it uh, in terms that many of us can understand. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Tony. Thank you. Jay Billis, boys and girls. One of the smartest guys out there. We will take a break, and we will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got emails, faxes, and you know. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna be some for all of you folks. Eric DeLong and the Slappy you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? Oh, yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. We've got the bagel sandwiches this morning. Always excited about that. Yep. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, my friend, and you will be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, I'm going to read you what started out to be the lyrics of the George Harrison song, Something. Yes. But this is the Frank Sinatra version, where he just commandeers the lyrics and changes them at will. Something in her smile, she knows, I don't need no other lover. Something in her style, it shows me, don't want to leave her now. Better believe and how. What? <laughs> You're asking me, will my love grow? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You stick around, Jack. <laughs> it might show. What? What? 
I don't know. I don't know. You stick around, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Sinatra is so great. Francis. Um, Didn't hear the ice clinking. <laughs> thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Jay Billis. Thanks to our sponsors, Game Time Policy Genius ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. From Tyler Allen and Holland Patent, New York, which I'm sure is upstate, but I'm unfamiliar with okay. it. As a central upstate New York native, the news that Georgia alum and open champion Brian Harmon and his wife were spotted on Skinny Atlas Lake piqued my interest. Skinny Atlas Lake is only 30 minutes from downtown Syracuse. I spent a lot of my life across the Finger Lakes region, including marrying my wife on Seneca Lake, which Tony, Tony kindly responded to eight years ago. A quick search on the Google machine confirmed that Harmon's wife, Kelly Van Slyke, is from the Syracuse area. I didn't remember seeing her on the open broadcast, but because she wasn't there. But she looked familiar. Turns out she graduated from SUNY Geneseo with a degree in biology a year before I did. I don't claim to know her personally, but I'm sure I passed her many times on campus or may have taken some of my science classes with her. I would never have known that had it not been for Wednesday's show. It's amazing how small the world can feel sometimes. Yeah. From Mark. While I appreciate, this is from Mark Feinstein, while I appreciate the advice from Jerry Hughes on the last show, AirTags would not have helped. As the one honest person we spoke to from United told us, AirTags will help you know where your bags are, but they wouldn't have gotten them to Portugal any quicker. My letter and receipts have been sent to United Customer Service and copied to every top executive at the airline. This far, crickets. Maybe one of them listens to the show. If so, call me. We actually have an update because they sent an offer for a $100 credit on a future United flight. Unbelievable <laughs> that they'd bump them three, day, three days later. It cost them thousands like your of dollars. Feeling is, My feeling is if your flight gets, if you get bumped off that flight, don't get on the yep. next one. Yeah, you're done. Just, just yeah, stop. Just bail. Figure something else yeah. out. From Bill Gammerdinger in Liberty Hill, Texas. Bad news for Mark Feinsand. United just announced nonstop service between Newark and Cherry Ridge Airport in Wayne County, Pennsylvania. He goes to see his kid. He can't get there. From Sam in Richmond. Tony complains about lack of power for an entire show and nobody mentions Dominic Smith. Come on, man. What are we doing here, man? That's a great point. Um, apparently, I thought he had 20 RBI, Michael. You gleefully told me this morning. Do you think he's even up to 20 yet? He's at 30. Okay. Which is on pace for probably 30, 50. 35? That's all. <laughs> I mean, he had nothing yesterday. He had, you know, one for five. He had a very didn't, good late July. Didn't figure in any runs yeah. or anything well, that's like the key that. Month. All right. From Bill Spain. Yes, that Bill Spain. Dear Uncle Tony, I'd like to apologize on behalf of Comcast for your recent troubles with phone, internet, and cable TV service. Unfortunately, I can't do that since I'm not affiliated with Comcast in any way. So let's flash back to 1982. In the fall of 1982, after having graduated from Wharton undergrad at Michael's soon-to-be alma mater, the University of Pennsylvania, I was still without a job, but I had a couple of good interviews with Comcast Cable, which at the time was just a small regional cable TV provider. This is true. Philadelphia, right? Ed Snyder, I think. They had invited me to a couple of interviews at their office in Trenton, New Jersey, and in school, I had done several projects studying the cable TV industry. I was a lock. I was finally going to get a job. Last among my graduating friends, but it was finally going to happen. However, during my final interview, they announced that the boss's son, who had also just graduated from Wharton undergrad and was planning to take time off and travel Europe, had changed his mind about Europe. He was looking for a job, and they were going to give the job to him. Best of luck, they told me. <laughs> my replacement, Brian Roberts, son of Ralph Roberts, the founder of Comcast. Brian Roberts now, according to Wikipedia, this is true, Brian L. Roberts, born June 28, 1959, is an American billionaire <laughs> businessman and the chairman and CEO of Comcast. Me, not so much. No, that's all true. Brian Roberts is... He's done quite well. Yes. From Papathea. Monday's podcast turned extremely promising as soon as Dr. Tony uttered the words, let me try to explain to you what no power is. This is a very ambitious goal on the part of a gentleman who struggled for a long time with the idea that the battery inside an electric toothbrush delivers electricity. No power is this. There is no electricity. Decent start. Factual in the context of a house. Sure. This was not a discussion about cars or sailboats. B+. Plus. There is no air conditioning. There is nothing to charge your phone. There is nothing to run your refrigerator and freezer. Factual. We might have inferred that on our own from the fact that there was no electricity, but I don't know everyone who is listening. You have water. Yes, that relies essentially on gravity. That's how water gets from reservoirs in upstate New York to New York City. You have toilet services. You can shower. Yes, probably safe to infer if you have water. But any equipment... Uh, you have doesn't work. 
if it's electric, probably not, unless it has a battery inside, like an electric toothbrush or a razor, like your flashlight. They probably still work by the time the power returned. Overall, I'll give the informative content a C. It was all mostly true, but I don't feel that I was provided with all the new knowledge I was led to believe was coming my way. Thank you, Papa. From Rusty Frederick in Savannah, Georgia. So when the power was out Sunday morning, Carol called the power company. Later that afternoon, Mr. Tony called after no progress had been made. Can I raise a practical question at this point? Are we going to do Stonehenge? What progress were you expecting? One light back on? Maybe two? Hey, Carol, I think we're close now. The upstairs bathroom has power again. I've been around the electric utility business for most of my career, and it's been my experience that when it comes to one individual house and it's a power outage, there's either no progress or 100% progress. Rarely anything between. Hmm. From Mark Lynch in Camby, Indiana. I let out a little squeal when you read my email on the podcast the other day. From Brendan Borzelli, our old friend in Lebanon, New Jersey. You incorrectly stated you don't have a TV. You do have a TV. You've just elected not to watch snow. You know, the show that comes on faithful at 3 a.m. after the fifth installment of Planet of the Apes wrapped up on Chapter 5. A favorite show for the stoners, shut-ins, and the nocturnal. Kids today, with their smart TVs, will never understand snow, the hit TV show. Jim Rockford, not that Jim Rockford, but this Jim Rockford from Campbelltown, Pennsylvania. I was surprised to find out on Monday's show all the places you've never been. I thought you'd like to know that I've never been to Spain. But I kind of like the music. <laughs> Thank you. From Matt in the Yukon. Is this the new game? Listing places we've never been? Having just heard Monday's show, I'm sure mine is the latest in a long list of emails clamoring for Dan Byrne to compose a song in the theme of I've Been Everywhere, popularized by many musicians since the early 60s. Dan's version could include the long-growing list of popular vacation destinations you've never visited. P.S. If Whitehorse, Yukon Territory, way up by Alaska, is on the list of places you've never been, yes, you should keep it that way. While the rest of the territory is beautiful, the city is a dump, and every other vehicle is a Subaru. Mm, that's From Teak. I know this was discussed in PTI and not the Tony Kornheiser show, but as someone who also loves kickoffs, I always assumed the reason why the NFL never adopted the CFL kickoff rule was because they didn't want to make any changes that they didn't think of themselves. Kickoffs in the CFL are just like a regular kickoff with one key difference. The player receiving the ball has to be given a five-yard buffer. It gives him a chance to receive the ball and then react to the environment around him. Eliminates the potential of a vulnerable player getting absolutely pasted, and you still get all the excitement of the kickoff. If the NFL is going to adopt a rule, I think the CFL rule is better than the XFL rule. Thoughts? Um, I actually like the XFL rule. I do, because... I think what you're thinking of, Teak, more than kickoffs is punt returns. Punts, right. Punts is where the guy gets blasted yeah. more than kickoff returns. From Jim Dam, D-A-M-M, in Ocala, Florida. Can you or Nigel let Messi know that Publix has a buy one, get one free half gallon Tillamook <laughs> ice cream this week? Thanks. Did you see Messi got a, a couple more goals? Again? When? Yeah, last night, I guess. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. From David Johnson in Saratoga Springs, New York. The Littles would enjoy nothing more than Mr. Tony unretiring his fingers for a first-person takedown of Cruz's, even though that's about as likely as a Dom Smith triple crown. <laughs> Luckily, we have a Dan Byrne genius-level cruise ship account to read from the late author David Foster Wallace from his 1996 piece in Harper's originally titled Shipping Out. It's a smart and funny description of the excess of excesses from his trip on a luxury ship named Zenith that he unofficially rechristens Nadir. In his 1997 book, a collection of previously written essays, sound familiar, Tony? Wallace appropriately renames the cruise ship piece a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. <laughs> and from Justin Johnson in Arlington, Virginia, I have a story about a stripper that involves my friend Chris. Her name was Star. Unfortunately, no further detail from this story is appropriate <laughs> for the air. Be out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always. Do wear white. You're slouching again, Ted. Taught me how to love, taught me how to fight. Yeah, you taught me some wrong, but you taught me way more right. Show me you can be tough, but still have a heart. Show me it's a matter where you finish, not that way.
Was worth it for the love. 